<laughs> what did I say? Well, Norma's went to see the ark. She had to go back many, many years in time, though. <laughs> but I'd like to see that. I bet it's pretty amazing. Where's that at, the ark? It's it's either Tennessee or Kentucky? Well, I don't know. Hey, Kay Fairchild, you're the first one here today. <laughs> All right, we're going to start. So... Last night, I, I did what I normally do. I, I, I know kind of in this teaching, in this book I'm writing, you know, where I'm going, where I really want to end up at, but I don't always know, you know, what the title of each chapter is going to be, and I just kind of wait and listen to the voice of her father, and yesterday was pretty tough for me physically, so I wasn't feeling real well, so I walked in there, and I just said, you know, I just sat there and waited, and I just said, Lord, I need your help, guidance, which way to go. And it's the funniest thing I heard that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I mean, I, it's like, I don't want to say the choir of heaven was singing because my mom always said she heard the choirs just before she died. So, <laughs> but, uh, but I did have something funny happen with my mom yesterday. My mom's been gone since 2017 in body and I've never sensed her. I've never dreamed about her or anything like I have other relatives and, uh, uh, Yesterday morning, early early in the morning, I I uh, was with my mom at our old church, and there was a big party going on. And all the women were cooking food and everything. And mom walked up to me and said, "Son, Melanie and some of the other ladies are giving free haircuts today, and I think it's time to get your haircut." <laughs> I mean, it was so real. <laughs> so I just woke up and called my barber and went and got my haircut. But I told Donna, I said, "Of all the funny dreams are." Maybe mama told me I needed a haircut because it's been a while since I did. So, and now it's cut off short. But, uh, uh, you know, as a child, uh, and I'm sure most of you can say this, during uh, Sunday school, uh, we learned that little song, this little light of mine, uh, I'm going to let it shine. And I sang it all through my youth. And then as we got older and we had our own children and or we taught other people, we taught kids to do that, particularly Donna. Donna always taught all of our children and our grandchildren. And little did we know that we were the light and that it wasn't a little light. You know, it, 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 we were the light of the world. Uh, I, I did a little research on uh, the Internet about it. And this this was a gospel song that was written for children back in the 1920s. And it was written by Harry Dixon Lowe's. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. But later on, a lady named Zelpha Horton uh, began to teach uh, a lot of people that were involved in the civil rights movement and when they were doing uh, marching and they taught them to sing this song whenever any opposition came against them. And it says in there that in their marches, anytime they would sing it when the, when the policemen that were confused came to them, not one of them would hit them with a billy club or anything when they sang that song. You know, so they, that, that was a very important song to them. And so it became a kind of like a Negro spiritual back then. But also what's interesting is the only churches that added don't let Satan blow it out were denominations that believed and fought in a devil. But it was not in the original text whatsoever. So, you know, you can do what you want with that. But I do believe Father was uh, just kind of directing my path here today. So my title of today's message in this chapter, which is chapter 9 in this book, is Let It Shine. And I, I capitalize the word it because I'm talking about uh, our, our light that is the same light of God, the unity of God within inside of us. The Bible says that we are light. And so we know we are the light as Father is the light. Uh, 
And we now understand the true work of Jesus. We understand what Jesus came to do. We understand that he wasn't there trying to appease God for something bad about a, a, a mankind or what man had done. <clears throat> I have had several people write me lately uh, after I put a translation on a post wanting to know what I mean by he sends away. The word forgive means he sends, uh, sends that away from us if we admit that there's something going on in our life. And also my translation on what was called the Lord's Prayer, it says that he sends away that thought that we needed to appease God or that others need to appease us. You know, because there's one thing when we realize that our Father never needs any appeasement from us, but it's another thing when we grow up and, you know, if people have done things that aren't out of their true character, I don't need them to pay me back for that. I don't need them to do something to make up for it. And that's, that's a place where you get where there's real maturity taking place. So we now know and understand there never was that need there. And we now know and understand that Father God loves us eternally. And Father never required any favor, uh, any, anything for us to do something to, to obtain favor from our Father. Hi, Barbara. I'm convinced that Barbara comes about two minutes late just so I can say her name on the video. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm playing with you. But uh, the, the greatest problem of what was taught as we grew up, and one of the greatest problems I, I see is that we were taught that we're a three-part being. We were taught that, and I taught it myself, that we are a, we have a spirit, not that we are a spirit, I wasn't taught that, but we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a mind, will, and emotions. And so we were always trying to get our mind and our will and our emotions lined up with what was true of the spirit because we saw ourselves as separate. Therefore, most of our life, we sought to do that and to bring those emotions under control and therefore, because many ministers believe that and taught that, the biggest part of their ministry was trying to bring us under control, to, to, to keep us living holy and keep us living righteous and whatever their version of what we should be. And never being aware that we were fully spirit or what we know now, spirit means breath or the very breath of our Father. So now that we, in a great measure, understand what Jesus came and revealed, we should be able to live the resurrected life. We should be able to let the light shine. And if the light's not shining in us and through us, then it brings no help to us. But more importantly, our light is to help other people. I've mentioned this before in teaching about master teachers and about Jesus as the greatest master teacher there ever was. No one, you know, uh, had ever experienced what Jesus came to do and reveal it in, at the time of his earth walk. And uh, he showed us and he exemplified the way to live. I don't think you'll ever see anywhere where he was sick. I don't think you'll see where he feared anything whatsoever. The only thing that he dreaded was going to the cross. But he said, and he said, if there, any, if there be any other way, let this pass from me. But that cup was not so much as the cross as his pulling into himself all the mistaken identity and confusion of mankind. I, that had to be pretty tough. And I believe he did that. So when he rose up from this human-minded grave, he did so with full authority and he continued to live as the breath of God. So how do we live? How do we live? That's the million-dollar question. You know, we hear what we're supposed to do. We hear, you know, that we are the light of the world, that we, we hear that we are son of God. We hear that we are breath of God. We hear that we have everything that 
belongs to us. So, but how do we do it? Because it seems when you look around with your natural eyes, people aren't living that way. And it seems that in our lives, we haven't been living that way. But that does not negate the fact that that is who we are and that we lack nothing whatsoever. And it does not negate the fact of everything that Jesus revealed and also what the Apostle Paul was used to reveal and also John. And so the truth is what we experience is pain, suffering, and lack, our sense of lack, is what the Apostle Paul, call, Apostle Paul called a no thing. Now, there again, I say you can't go to somebody that's suffering and say that's a no thing, you know, but you need to minister out of what you know for them. You know, I'm, I have some things going on in my body. I don't deny that there's things that's out of order in my body, but I also deny, I do deny it's right to take me out. I do deny it's right to stop me from doing what I'm called to do. Psalms 91 starts out with, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. And I've always loved that psalm, but I've always wondered how I could dwell in that secret place. And I'm talking about before I've learned what I know today. Because there was a prerequisite there that you had to dwell there. And evidently, we weren't dwelling there because we weren't experiencing everything that this psalm talked about. And also, they put in there that it was a secret place. Well, if it was a secret, then how can I dwell in it? And you're always telling me, you, you ministers, you teachers, you're whoever it is that instructed us that we needed, but you didn't tell us how. And you didn't explain because they didn't know for themselves. Correct? And so uh, the, the phrase in the secret place was translated from the root word sothar. It's spelled C-A-T-H-R, but it's spelled like saw. And it means to hide yourself by keeping close. By keeping close. See, to me, religion made it a secret place because I thought it was something that I could obtain by obeying a bunch of rules. But literally, it's just keep close. And how closer can you be than one? But if you weren't taught that you're one, then you're always trying to do something to be closer and closer. Therefore, we get all those songs, you know, more of you, you know, closer to you, draw me near all those songs that we've loved and they're so in our brain that to, still to this day, I drive down the street humming, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. You know, that was one of my favorite songs because Brother Hibbert sang it almost every service to us, you know, but how can I get any more nearer to father than one? And how can father get any nearer to me than one? Just so awareness it's your awareness. That's exactly right, baby. And so, it says, if I, I thought if I could learn to dwell in the secret place, then the Almighty would be my refuge. Then the Almighty would be my fortress. The, then the Almighty would deliver me from all the snares and everything. And so because I got caught up in snares and distress and all the evidently I'm not living in the secret place of the Most High. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Furthermore, when you look at this Psalm 91, I'm not going to read it and take the time because I've got a lot to share today. I know you're familiar, familiar, but it says, if you, if, you, if you dwell in the secret place, he will deliver you from the snare, from pestilence. Furthermore, if I could dwell there, I would be covered with father's feathers and, and uh, his truth would be my shield. His truth would be my buckler. And later in the Psalms, I read where there would be no evil befall me, neither any plague come nigh my dwelling if, and there was always that if. And I always felt at the if. Mm -hmm. 
because this false evidence appearing real confirmed that. Correct? Then, verse 11, it stated, For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways, and they would bear me up in their hands. Well, so then I thought there were real angels out there that were going to take care of me. And then I always wondered when bad things happened, where were my angels? And I always heard once you go over 40 miles an hour, angels jump off the hood of your car. You know, people make up stuff like that all the time. But why didn't angels protect my family during a tornado when angels and, and all that stuff that people ask? And they are legit questions because we believed all this and we were taught all this. And those teachers, they went to college, they studied, they pray, they listened to God and they heard on my behalf. So evidently it's true. So then I find it's interesting in the King James Version of what Moses penned, because this psalm was supposedly penned by Moses uh, in, this, in this version, if you would. It all hinged on me finding that secret place. And I've sought most of my life, prior to about 20 years ago or more, trying to find that place, trying to get to that place where God could look at me with favor, and look with me in love. And I could do enough good things that I could earn it. I tried to give enough money. And I never could give enough money. I definitely could not give what they told me to give. Because I would give everything that I had, if you would. So I'm not taking time to translate this whole psalm. But in verse 9, it says, I needed to make the Lord my habitation. So if I needed to make the Lord my habitation, then evidently I'm not the habitation of God. Right? And we read those Psalms and we think it's a precious Psalm or whatever. But the truth is there was a lot of need to. Kind of like my wife. Every time we drive up and the garage door opens up, she says, you need to. <laughs> and for 49 years, I have said, Donna, quit telling me what I need to do. <laughs> You're just reminding me. <laughs> but see, so we had, we had well-meaning ministers take these scriptures that were translated by relig religiosity and mistranslated and words moved around and everything. And because we thought all scripture was inspired by God, then we did our best to follow it. And we always failed. And I meet so many people today that they, I can tell they're, they're failing at trying to be something. I had a gentleman last night to come to buy a couple of our uh, banana trees out in the front yard. I found me a real source of income, raised banana trees. <laughs> but, but I was talking to him, he wanted to know what I did. He said, I saw on Facebook that you're, you're a minister. And I said, yes, I am. And he was telling me how he was re relate, uh, raised in the Catholic religion and everything. And he just told me my entire life, I've just, I, I, I failed. I failed at, and this is what his words, I failed at doing what I was told to do. And he said, you know, when I've really found out that God loves me unconditionally is a man helped me through alcoholism and helped me to be free from that and taught me that God is nothing but love and there's nothing else in God but love and that God always loved me. And he said, that's what really made me free and I'm no longer addicted to that stuff anymore. And I'm no longer afraid of God. That just came from a young man that never been to biblical college, never been to seminary school, never really understood anything, but he understood the, the, the foreign language of love. That's it. Amen? The foreign language of love. 
So I, I, uh, I, I looked at verse 9 in the Hebrew language of Psalm 91, and this, instead of saying, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high your habitation, because that's what it said, because you made the Lord your habitation, the true rendering, and I, I translate it and paraphrase it, it says, because thou, the self-existent one, the most high, has pointed you as his abode. That's what it really, the real rendering is because God appointed you as his abode that you, you, there's no weapon formed against you can prosper. Nothing can deny your dwelling. All the things that the psalm says, all the things that Paul wrote, it's because God made you, not you made him. You did not make him Lord of your life. He already was Lord, right? So how can we hide ourselves by keeping close to our Creator Father? Any more than, again, being one. The truth is there is no requirement for our Father to keep us away from any evil, if you would. Uh, I, I know the word uh, wicked means restless. I also say the word evil is restless. Anybody that's doing something that we would call evil today is because they have not entered into the rest of God. So they're restless. They're not experiencing the rest of God. And so the holy breath of our Father, it is no longer a mystery. The, the revelation has come forth in such a great way that people all over the world are understanding what Christ in you means. It's breath of God in you. It's spirit of God, if you want to use the word spirit. And so the word mystery, we brought this out in our previous couple teachings back. Case talked about it a lot, but it's mysterion. It's M-U-S-T-E-R-L-N. And it's a derivative of muo, M-U-O, which means to shut the mouth. So what is it that shut our mouth to who we are? Religiosity, right? So it means to shut the mouth. It's a secret or mystery through the idea of silence imposed by initiation into religious rites. When you sit and you hear nothing but religion, which is man's opinions, man's ideas, doctrines of men, your mouth is shut to the truth of who you really are because you don't know. You don't believe. So I often wonder why with what we know, we still view things that appear to be evil as evil when it really is a no thing. Well, because we spend more time looking on the appearance than the truth. And sometimes the appearance is, barks very loud. It can be a disease or it can be sickness. It can be pain. You know, and I don't deny all that stuff, but I'm telling you, what, what I, how I see it being a no thing, it's a no thing when you know who you are, right? My little grandson, Ethan, he's, he's a very strong-willed young boy, six years old, <clears throat> and he thinks he's pretty powerful. And he'll tell me many times, I'm the boss of myself. Well, you know what? He can bark that all he wants. That's a no thing to, to me because I know who I am. I'm bigger than him. <laughs> I have authority over him, and I don't fear what Ethan might do to me because I know who he is. Now, if some great big guy comes along that's a lot bigger than me and younger than me and begins to bark at me, you know, I might realize, well, yeah, he is some kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to treat him right, but I hope I'm pointing that out to you. But see, Ethan wants to be a false evidence appearing real. I was over at uh, the house that my daughter rents from me the other day, and I own that home. And uh, so I was telling him he couldn't have some snacks because mama uh, is going to want him to eat and she doesn't want you to fill up on snacks. And he said, Papa, this is my house 
and I'll do what I want. <laughs> and he said, I could eat anything I want. And I just said, Ethan, whose house is this? He said, it's mine. I said, no, it belongs to your papa. <laughs> and I said, I'm just letting you live here. <laughs> I think I got his attention because he climbed off the cabinet and went back in the living room and started playing. <laughs> so, but see, no, when I know who I am, I mean, when I know that I know, I know, but I'm still saying, when I know that I know who I am, whatever presents itself to me that's other than holy breath, other than God Almighty, it's a lie. And it can't be, it can't prosper in me. How does fear come into you? You constantly dwell on it. You constantly think about it. You, 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 real, you give it a power by thinking about it. You read about it. You meditate on it. You listen to it. You know, I have to say for the last 16, 18 months, I've spent a lot of time in doctor's office, hospitals, the Mayo Clinic. And I'm telling you, I just begin to realize, and Donna kept encouraging me, honey, there, this is becoming part of your daily life, and you cannot dwell on this. Because the more you dwell on it, the more you allow it. Right? Well, see, I want to let it shine. Not the false evidence appearing real, not the medical records, but I want to let it, in other words, the breath of God, the light of God in me shine. And so uh, I believe as we stand in who we are and continue to feed on the truth, the appearance of bad things will appear less and less and less until they disappear, until they disappear, never to appear again. And so the Apostle Paul wrote, it is binding. And I really like this when I look this translation up. It's binding for us to quit living as though we are perishable and decaying and put on in our understanding our unending existence. It is binding. It must. The word must means it's binding. If you tell me, Roy, you can come to uh, Carl says you can come to my farm and you can do this or that, but you must respect me. You must respect it. You must protect my cattle. That's binding. And if I, if I come there uh, and do something that he told me I, I don't do what I must, I probably won't get to come back anymore. Right? And so he said, in order for us to experience this unending existence, then we must quit living as though we're perishable. Are you pointing your finger at me last week? We said not to do that. I know. I didn't mean you. <laughs> did she just point her finger at me, folks? Yes, she did. <laughs> I know, baby. I know you are. <laughs> but it is, though, because we do live as though we're perishable. We, you know, I, I say this a lot. People get tired of it. But I hate it when they start saying the flu's on the way. How do they know the flu's on the way? Are you dumping it out from an airplane or something? You know, the flu is not on the way to me. I'm not planning on getting the flu just because, and I'm not afraid of it, you know, but yet we hear those things and we live as though we're perishable and we do live because we're decaying. And so we've got to understand that we have an unending existence because we're in union with the eternal existent one. Correct? Furthermore, he said to remove a liable to die belief and put on in our understanding deathlessness. That's my translation paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 15, 53. 
deathlessness. We can live as the light we are. There is, therein is no darkness. There is no evil. There's no restlessness. There's no sickness. There's no disease. disease. There's no lack in no way, no how. Remember who said that? The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I heard that last night, so I just added that to there. In no way and no how. <laughs> So Jesus did not require any of this for us. He didn't require us to do anything. Jesus revealed the truth of who we are. Our part is to stand in who we are. Last couple chapters, the last chapter I talked about, stand still. That's our part. It's just to stand still. Quit tossing and twirling and just draw from where we're planted. And we're planted in the right one. And who's the right one? It's Father God. It's our creator. So we must discontinue our beliefs in victimhood and in defeat in every term. I have people tell me everything I try to do, I'm defeated. It's because you allow that. It's because you believe you're a victim. Why do you think people are falling prey to what there's a group of people out there offering to be their source and their supply today because they believe they're a victim and they believe they're owed something. You're not owed anything. You have everything that you need. So we must discontinue our belief in this. And we have used the phrase in Christ so often, we really don't understand the really the true meaning of what that means. Most people believe that I'm in Jesus, Jesus is in me. Well, I'm one with Jesus as I'm one with God because we are all one. But in, what it really means is, is to be in the same consciousness or the same breath or the same mind that Jesus lived and moved and had his being out of. Let this same mind that was in Jesus be in you, Right? So that's what it means to be in Christ, or I, I, I started the term in Christed, or in holy breathed, <laughs> however you would say that. I, it happened to me at my birth, uh, at, excuse me, at my conception, when my dad's sperm hit my, the egg in my mom, the very breath of God entered into me at that moment. And what was it? Light. Light. It became my light. So there is only one mind, there's only one holy breath, there's only one true consciousness, and all else is, else is a false image created by religiosity. Every other effort to try to make you righteous or holy or pure or perfect or even to do what's right is nothing but a carnal effort and it's dead works. And Jesus said to cease from dead works, right? Mm -hmm. So we prayed to be like Jesus and we failed. Because none of this is being like Jesus. We don't have to be like Jesus. Jesus had his calling. Jesus had his ministry. And we have our calling and we have our ministry. And Don and I discussed this a lot yesterday. But I still believe that Jesus was highly exalted. And he, he was highly favored. In other words, he revealed the pure image of God. Favor means to be like somebody. My son favors me. He looks like me. And so Jesus favored God in the most perfect way and showed us that we can too. And we do favor God. We are the very image of our Father. So we prayed for that and we asked for that. We wanted more of God, correct? And we wanted to be drawn closer to God. And again, we failed because you can't get any closer. Amen. So the only way to experience the way, the truth, and the life is to accept the fact that it is all yours now. It always has been and always will be and you share the life of the Father right now. And your job is to go forth and be the light and shine the light and awaken people to the light that they are. That's what we're called for. 
So what are we? We are a living expression of the breath of our Father. And there's no religiously fabricated way to experience who you are because to try proves that you don't believe it. Our prayers and our songs have proved that we really didn't know who we were. They prove that we believe the great lie, the great lie of separateness. God's up there, we're down here, and we're always trying to get closer to God. And we're just praying that if we physically die, that we will be with the Lord. Right? Did I say rat? <laughs> I did. So true living is not by physical might. It's not by physical power. It's not by carnal efforts, but it's living as the breath of God. That's true living when you do that. Jesus said, me, myself, and I, which is ego, can do nothing. As I hear, that I do. And so if you're in tune with a vibration of spirit, the vibration of the breath of God, then you, whatever you hear, you do. Whatever you hear, you think. Whatever you hear, you dwell on. And so Jesus knew his source. Uh, he never felt any sense of self-effort to perform his works. He never felt any sense of self-effort to teach. Uh, I remember when I, uh, my first time to get up and preach at Full Gospel Assembly, I labored and I suffered and I, I, I was so scared. And I had these notes on, a, on a postcards. I, I, had, I think I had six or seven little postcards. And after I got done with all of them, I said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> that's, that's all I had. But I labored a long time to get those little notes. I remember when Donna went to Bible college and she was writing a, a story about Paul, I think it was, the life of the Apostle Paul. I'm telling you, she labored. It was hard. She overthought. She overworked. I kept saying, Donna, it's perfect the way it is. And she made A+. Plus. But she just worked and worked and worked. And what we've done is we've labored and we tried to make it work. Jesus did not labor whatsoever. He just went forth. He knew his source and he just did it. And I have to tell you, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on my father, but it's been a many, many years since I've had to sit in that office and labor for something to write. You know why? Because the life and the knowledge of God that's in me, I have tapped into it now. It always was there. I didn't earn it. It's not because I spent years and years of laboring. It's because I finally have relaxed and entered into that rest of God. And I know, I know the voice of our father and father can say, okay, this is what I want you to teach on this little doubt of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You wasn't here when I started Barbara, but that's what the Lord gave me this morning, uh, last night. And so he knew his mind was the divine mind. Barbara, what if you right now knew that your mind was in union with the most wealthiest entrepreneur in the world and you could tap in anytime you want and how to be a wealthy person? Wouldn't that be pretty powerful? But see, it is. Your mind... Your, your, your real, not just your brain, but your true mind is in union with the creator of the entire universe. The creator that thought and it just came into existence. That's how powerful thoughts are. You know what? We are 
and I like how Kay said this, I, I, we are creators, but we only create what Father God already created, right? And so, but we can be anti that creation by meditating on, on wrong thoughts and, and wrong beliefs and, and the lie, if you would. And But the, the Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 57 says, I create the fruit of your lips. So literally what you, you constantly dwell on and speak on, the very I, the very spirit within inside of you creates that. Right? It does because it, our, our spirit, our, our breath is a creator. And so that's, that, that is why it's so important for us to pay attention to what we think. And that's why I, I still quote this. John Cahill said, Father, put a guard on my ear what I hear, my eyes what I see, and my mouth what I speak. And that guard is breath of God. That guard is the truth. When you hear the truth, it does that. So again, there's only one mind and we're in union with the one and only divine mind. You know, as I was writing this last night, I was sitting at my computer and I was trying to explain how uh, we have an unction of the Holy One and we know all things. You know that verse and I'll talk about it a little bit. <clears throat> it's in 1 John 2. <clears throat> but I'm sitting at my computer and it is plugged into the World Wide Web. And we call it the Internet. And there is nothing that I can't go to that computer and type in that it does not come in, come up. Because the computer is not just one computer. The computer is every computer in the world that it's connected to. It's connected to web pages and all kinds of other pages. And so it's one of many, many connections. So I can type in there, who wrote this little light of mine, and boom, it's there. I can type in there, what is light, and it's there. And I can type in what is the source of light. It's all there. I can research on anything I want today. It's the most powerful instrument. And besides that, we carry a little device called a cell phone that does the same thing. And as long as I have a connection to the source, then I can get any, any information I want. And I can understand. And I like it. A friend of mine called me this morning, Eric. He was at a fellowship and the preacher was teaching on how, I guess, how we need to worship. And he remembered me talking about worship. And so he connected himself to the source of that, of who explained that. He went to Roy Richmond, text message. Roy, I'm listening to my preacher talk about how we need to worship. Remind me what worship and praise means. And so I became a source to him. And I taught him that worship means to ascertain and seek and desire and to know a thing. And praise means to tell the story of what you learn. I mean, it's that simple. His phone to my phone and he's on the East Coast. How much more does John 2, 1 John 2.20 say, you have an endowment or you have a connection with the holy breath or the mind or spirit. And you know and can see the whole of all things. How much more? We think that computer, we think the World Wide Web is all, all powerful, but I'm telling you to know the truth. See, because the web puts out some stuff that's not true. One time somebody writes the wrong information, that just keeps coming up unless it's deleted. And so we have to use a lot of wisdom and knowledge and, and when we go on the Internet, particularly Facebook, and don't believe everything that's said out there. 
There's, there's several network news medias out there that you just really don't need to believe most of what's been said. or fall. But I'll tell you what, you have an unction of the holy truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. You have a union with the Father, the Creator that created all things, right? And knows all things. And so why don't we go there first? I've said this many times, and I say it to myself. Why don't we go to our Father first? Why don't we hear what our Father has to say? Because there's so many sources out there that are not sources of perfection. They're, they're temporal sources. And we're used to those sources. Huh? Did you read the whole thing? I didn't use it. Do you want to say it out loud? Well, it say it loud. 20, and you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know. 21 is, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. That's right. I, so he's reminding them that you know the truth already, is what he said. I'm not, I'm not telling you this because you don't. That's why I say this all the time. I'm not teaching this to make it true. I'm teaching this because it is true. And that's what Jesus never came to make us whole. He never came to make us new. All those things that the King James, he came to reveal that we were always new, that we lived in newness of life. We lived in perpetual life and we have that ourselves. So if we could grasp what John was writing, how much wisdom and knowledge will we function out of? Would we err? Could any weapon formed against us prosper? No. So how powerful would it be to really Understand that no thing that presents itself as other than life can come nigh your abode. It can't happen. How can, how can this be? Only if I allow it to be. Only if I believe the lie. Only if I don't know who I am. How can people live in the United States of America poor? How can it be when, when they, I, sometimes I just say I don't believe it when they talk about how many children go to bed hungry I, I know it's true, but I, I can't believe it. It's like, how can that be? We're in the United States of America. There's food everywhere. It's because there are people who are poor-minded. There are people who have become addicted to so many things that their children aren't important to them anymore. And they're under control. So the only thing that makes the light seem like it is not shining is when some no thing is allowed to become is allowed to come between your vision and the light because the light always shines. Does that make sense, Ann? The only thing that can make the light seem like it is not shining is when some no thing is allowed to come in between your vision and the true light that you are. And where that no thing has come is what Brother Garner said, right between our ears. We've been raised by parents that didn't know, churches that didn't know, teachers that didn't know. We grew up around a people that didn't know. We watched uh, TV shows and news media. They don't know truth. And so it's come between the light. And what we've got to do is shoo that no thing away. Just say, get out of here. By faith, just get out of here. You don't belong here. So where does that take place? It takes place in what you wrongly believe and then you see. I believe in the kingdom of God, believing is seen. In the world, they say seeing is believing. Right, Barbara? I don't know how, if you've heard me say this, but 
I think you know me enough that you don't have to see my love for you to know that I love you. I, I think you know me enough that you believe I love you, right? And so what you believe in, you see. So if you believe the lie, you see the lie. If you believe there's a devil, you see a devil. You know, there's all kinds of conversations on Facebook about it. So I always remind people in the, in the uh, New Testament, there's two words for devil that was translated to the word devil. And it was actually dubalos and damion. Uh, dubalos was traduce. is what it really meant. It didn't mean devil. It was traduce. And it's an action or, or, or a word or somebody hindering you from your intended purpose. And Jesus used that when people tried to hinder him. He told Peter, get thee behind me, traducer. You're hindering me from my purpose because Peter wanted him to stay there. And then Damion is a supernatural spirit of a bad character or a bad nature. That was man. Man was supernatural, but because they believed the lie, they self-condemned themselves, then they produced a bad character. So Jesus used that when he was dealing with people that were mentally ill, people that were sick and things like that. That's all it meant. And so literally our, our false beliefs become traducers to us and they also cause us to to live as a damion we're supernatural but we live lower than that but we are supernatural more than we know we are i believe that there have been people that were able to translate the bible teaches it very plainly several people and i've already mentioned to you in our teaching here in old testament several people translated Philip translated when he was baptized in the eunuch. Jesus translated. And when Jesus came out of that carnal grave of humanity, he took his body and he translated. And then he appeared to other people. He appeared to the disciples. He didn't come from heaven out there somewhere. He was here, but his body wasn't always visible because not all people could see spirit. So he slowed down the visibility so people could see him and he could give them a message. I believe that. And I believe if Jesus wanted to, he could appear to us right now, just like there are other people that have taken their bodies or they passed away and left their body. They appear to people all the time. It's a truth. I think mom appeared to me the other night and told me I needed a haircut. So (laughs) you'll have to ask me that later, Barbara, I'll tell you. So we are the kingdom of God. We are the kingdom of God. We are conceived righteous. We were born righteous. We know we're righteous and we are perfect because that's what the word peace means. We are perfect and we are filled with eternal joy. Not happiness, but joy. Happiness is based on what's on the outside, but joy is on the inside. Joy is eternal. You can always be joyful, right? And so joy comes from within, and it is a step-by-step process that Father enjoys in each one of us as we rediscover our source. And that's what we're doing. We're rediscovering our source. We are rediscovering. We always knew. Kay says we came into this world and we forgot. And I think the reason we were forgot is because our parents didn't know, and so they didn't teach us. And our churches definitely didn't know. They taught uh, uh, appeasement. They taught penal substitution. They taught sinners. And then they taught sinners saved by grace. And it was always trying to earn favor with God. And the list can go on and on and on. Right? Yes. 
So this process is we discover, we're rediscovering our source, we're rediscovering our oneness, we're rediscovering our identity, and as with divine consciousness, we, re, we, have, we are discovering now that we are the infinite holy breath of God. The infinite holy breath of God. It was so interesting to me to find out a few weeks ago that the word spirit was a Latin word that the Catholic Church put there in place of breath. And I do believe that the people that did that back then did that because it would be very hard for us to understand spirit. I've never really known how to explain spirit. Have you? What is? But I can explain breath. It's the very breath. I, it's, my, it's my chi. It's my life source. It's my essence. I breathe God. I breathe God in. I breathe God out. That's what it is. And so this journey, which I would say is delightful, is back to the divine awareness uh, of, of who we are. And we are being removed from the dead works of the journey of doing to be. Most of our lives, we were on a journey of doing to be, and we never could be who they told us we, what, we, what they told us we could obtain. It's always had to be something else and something else. So this is the beginning of living righteous. This is the beginning of living perfect. This is the beginning of living full of joy. It's already ours. This is the beginning of living out of our full authority and our true nature. Jesus walked in full authority. Did he not? Full authority. I don't believe when the disciples were out on the seashore that Jesus stepped in the water and just started walking all the way. I believe he translated there. And then he appeared right there above the water. And then he got in the ship with them. He knew his true nature. He knew that the elements were under his control, not him under the control of the elements. Today, the majority of the world lives under the control of the elements. We don't know how to stand up. Or, and when I say we, I'm talking about man as a whole does not know how to look up at the sky and say, you are perfect. You were created to do nothing but water the earth and bring gentle winds to the earth and scatter seeds. And, and you know, we just we look at the sky and sometimes we say, oh, it's beautiful. But a lot of times we say, oh, a storm's coming. This is going to happen because we agree with what we thought. We agree with what we thought it was supposed to do. But it's, it's not. It's supposed to bring nothing but peace. So it's kind of like the prodigal son. He returned to his father's house after he got to the end of all of his dead works, right? And spent everything that he, you know, th he thought it was his. And he was immediately given what was already his. He wasn't giving something that wasn't his. He was given what was already his. And see, that's father, what father is doing today. He's giving us and our understanding what's already ours. We think that if God will give us more money, then we would be rich. You're already rich. We think that if God would heal us, we would be happy. We already are healed. We have the divine health of God with inside of us. Amen. And so there's something come between the light, and it's our false belief system that, well, we're supposed to die. We're just humans. How else are we going to go to heaven? That's what a preacher told me once. <laughs> and what was his? Everything his father had was his. Everything father God has and is, is ours today. And it is us today. He didn't have to earn anything. He didn't have to prove his love. He, he didn't have to be punished, right? He didn't have to pay a price. He simply needed to stay in that supposedly secret place 
by keeping close in his understanding, keeping close to his father. I always remember one of our kids, I forget who it was, but every time I was going to spank them, they would grab my leg and get as close as they could. Huh? Angela? Well, but, but I did, but I have, have any of you had children do that? They, they, there's this inner knowing that if they get really, really close to you, you can't spank them very hard. (laughs) Right? Carl understands. So how could he have been any closer than the son he already was? He just needed to come back in his awareness. The fatted calf was waiting. The robe was waiting. The ring was waiting. Everything that is yours is waiting for you to possess it. You already own it, but you must possess it. There's a $20 bill laying in the the counter over there. A guy gave it to me the other night for, for, or last night for two uh, banana trees. What are you doing, (laughs) Tom? But it's waiting for it to be possessed, and my wife just went in there to possess it. You put that down, that's mine. But it's there. She's got it. It's in her pocket now. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, baby. So it's not enough just to have something. We must possess it. Possess it to me means living out of that. We have two vehicles in the driveway. We possess those. Anytime we want to go somewhere, we go somewhere. We have faith in it because we, we believe it's going to work. We believe that whoever put those wheels on there, put them on there properly. We believe we can go 80 miles, 70 miles an hour, and we're going to be okay, right? And don't set, but don't, but we believe that, do we not? We believe that whoever built this house built the rafters, right? We don't even think about them falling down on us, right? We believe in all kinds of stuff. Why can't we believe? Why can't man believe in Father God that says, you have everything that pertains to your physical life and your spiritual life there's nothing you lack thank you lord that's what we need to do just say thank you thank you and live out of it good news amen you know i know we're called son of god but father and son are one right and i always say this to people when i write it we uh son has no gender in it so ladies shouldn't get all upset because we're not saying women of god you know son has no gender in it whatsoever and so we we are son of god also the word son and i like this means builder of the family nature so our calling is to build the family nature when we gave birth to children we should have taught them the family nature We should say, this is not who you are. This is who you are. You are son of God. You are breath of God. My mom and dad never taught me that because they didn't know it. My preachers never taught me that. They always told me how I can earn stuff, you know, and that's what we wanted to get. But I'm telling you, every man, woman, boy, and girl are included in and as son of God. We're done with eating all that strange doctrines of men. Amen. Amen. See she from being men whose breath is in his nostrils. Quit teaching sensory knowledge, carnal knowledge. We're we're tired of those who have only brought forth stench and death. That's my translation of see she from man whose breath is in his nostrils. They've held us in fear and they've held us with a mind full of separateness. 
And I'm not talking about any person alive. I'm just talking about religiosity. When I say they, they who teach religiosity, that's what they've done. So it's time to live as we were created to live. Uh, uh, Let us accept, if you would, that we truly are the light of the world and that we're on this planet to do something, not just to live for a few years and we're gone. I was uh, doing some research on the source of light and everything, and this one person put on here, uh, put on the internet that we we only live for a few decades, then we don't exist anymore. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I I am of the eternal being, and I exist for I will exist forever. If this body ceases to be able to hold me, before I can fully believe I'm still alive, and I I can appear. I believe they have glorified bodies. I don't believe they're just kind of spirits floating around on the cloud somewhere. So then the truth is we are here to replete, replete God life. That's used in scripture a lot. The word when you tra- it says replete. In other words, it's a perpetual life. It never ends, never ends. And we're here to bless all the inhabitants of the earth. We're here to bring things back into its right order. And guess what? We have no real obstacles and we have no limitations. Because the Bible says we can do all things, and that's the Logos. All the Word, what the Word really teaches, we can do all of it by living out of our breath. It says, through Christ who strengthens you. Your strength is your breath. God told Paul uh, to, to, to lean to his breath. You know, when Paul said, take this away from me, he said, my grace is sufficient. My breath is sufficient for you. So our only need is to believe we are the light, believe the truth, what time is that? I don't have my watch on. 10.53. Okay. i got seven minutes. <laughs> Carl, can I have 12 minutes? <laughs> so, huh? No, it's not. I see this right here. So our only need is to believe we are the light. Believe truth, the truth of our purpose, and see the truth. The reason we don't see it is because we don't really believe it. And the Old Testament and the New Testament, I looked this up last night, or this morning, actually, there's one meaning for the word believe. It's the same. And the New Testament is number 410, and the Old Testament is number 539, and it's pistio, and it says to have faith, P-I-S-T-Y-O-O-O, to have faith in, upon, and respect of a person or a thing by implication to entrust your entire well-being to the breath of God, or it says spirit of God. Now, physical light says of light, Natural, the natural source of life includes the sun, the stars, the fire, uh, fire, electricity, and storms. And there are even some animal plants that can release light from within. I like that. They know who they are. Nobody told them they couldn't do it. But see, we can release life. They, they said the only light that humans make is artificial life. That's not true. We are the light of the world. And that's what our Creator says. So I'm just going to read through this real quick for you because I don't want to take a lot of time. But the truth of light is its source is our divine creator. We call father, God, breath, spirit, or chi. It's our, it's our essence. It's our life source. Yeah. To be and experience the light we are, one must believe. You got to believe. If you don't believe your light, then you're not going to live. You can have all the money in the world, but you can be mentally ill and believe yourself to be poor. You're going to live poor. Right. Correct. To, to be and experience the light, we are, we must believe. And Jesus repeatedly asked people that he taught and ministered to, do you believe? 
In Matthew, I believe it was, the very first instance of somebody coming to Jesus where he, he, he said, your, your belief or your faith has made you whole was two blind men came to him and asked him to have mercy on him. And he said, do you believe I can do this? And they said, yes. And he said, your faith. He didn't say, oh, Father, heal them, right? Because like what Kay said not too long ago, God can't heal you of something because he didn't put it on you. Did that knock you backwards? He didn't put it on you, so why would he take it away from you? Is that what it was? Take it away or heal? Either way. He didn't put it on you. You're the one that needs to cause that to happen because you allowed it. As a, as a whole, mankind has allowed sickness and disease. We're so proud of the names of them. I mean, I'm going to see, finally I'm going to go to see a, a, a doctor. I don't know what, it's, a, it's not a psychiatrist, it's a, it's a psy-somethingist. And she works with her hands and she adjusts the joints and she, it's more of a, uh, what's the word? They, it's a therapy type and, and they don't use medicine. Well, whatever it is, it's size something. But I'm very happy about it because I asked them, I said, is this more of a, a, a natural type healing? She said, yes, we believe healing's in you and we draw it out. And the insurance company's paying for it, which is amazing to me. But I'll tell you what, I believe that light is inside of me and all it needs to be done is drawn out. And the number one person that needs to let it happen is me. You need to know who you are. That's exactly right. So these men, he, he said, believe you that I am able. This, this is what, see, do you believe I'm able? You don't have to answer. Do you believe you're able? See, sometimes we believe Benny Hinn's able because we've seen all that. And I believe many times people have received a temporal healing because they tapped in. But do you believe you're able? Do you believe you're able to release light through your being and also release light, release light to other people? You've got to believe that you're able. And then they said, yes, Lord. And then he said, he touched them saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Some people, our faith is not real high. I know scripture wrongly says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it actually says without faith in what Jesus came to reveal, it's impossible to agree. The word please is agree with God. So how much faith do you have? Well, you have the same measure of faith I have. We just got to, we got to let our faith go. We've got, to, we've got to cause our faith to be pointed in the right place and not in things that you've done. A lot of people have faith in their retirement. You know that? A lot of us depend on Social Security a lot. But what happens if they quit sending Social Security? Then, then, then where are we going to put our faith in? I put my faith in my divine source. I put my faith in what my father spoke to me in 1996, that if I would turn my, all my talents and abilities and all, all that I thought I had over to him, that I would never lack for finances the rest of my life. And since I said I do, I never have lacked. But I don't have a source, physical source, that I'll look at and say, well, because I've got this much money, I'll never lack. I don't have that much money <laughs> because the money doesn't have me. It has my wife, but it doesn't have me. <laughs> she still says every once in a while, you're going to go to work every once in a while. No, it does not have her. We, we both have come together in this understanding that God is our supply. 
but it, but it, it's more than just money. It's yeah. divine health. Yes. It's the perfection that I already have. It's the peace that I already have. It's the joy. It all comes from our source, which is the breath of God. <clears throat> so the Greek rendering here infers it was their belief and faith in what Jesus was able to do that was the source of their eye-holy functioning, their belief in what he was able to do, because they could very easily said, I don't believe you. You remember there's a place in Scripture where it says Jesus went to a city and he had the ability to heal them all and minister, and none of them would believe. They just saw him as what? Mary's little boy? They, they didn't see. And see, people look at us today, and well, he's just Roy. Well, she's just Barbara. You know, I know you, we know so much about ourselves, but we don't know our true selves. We don't know who people really are. So I enjoy studying biblical numbers. I'm sure you know that. And how often they appear in scripture. Uh, each number reveals and confirms a lot of truth. And the biblical number for light, I looked that up today in one of my books, it's 22. The biblical number for light is 22. And all the instances where the use of light is written, it reveals man to be the true light of the world. And it reveals our purpose. In the tabernacle, there were 22 bowls to hold oil in the candlestick. The candlestick was a physical picture of man as the light of Father God. The apostle John, when he wrote in the Revelation, he talked about the golden candlesticks. And then he said, I turned to, hear the, uh, to see the voice that I heard. And I saw one like the Son of Man in the midst of the golden candlesticks. In other words, he saw... All people just like Jesus was. He saw Christ or he saw a breath of God in man. The candlestick uh, pictured the seven churches. And remember what we talked about seven a week or so ago? It's, it's perfect maturity, perfect perfection. There were three branches on each side of the shaft of the candlestick. Each branch had three bows. That makes six branches with 18 bows in the candlestick itself or the shaft with four bows. So this is a total of 22 bows serving the seven lamps. So those who know they've been rescued from the great lie, religious religiosity, are the children of light. So when four, which is the number of rescue or salvation from something, is added to eight, which is new beginnings, you get 22. You get 22. And so when Saul told about a great light that shone from above, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, this was the 22nd time that Saul's name was used in the Bible. 22. In Numbers 339, a total of 22,000 Levites was numbered to serve in the priestly work of the tabernacle. They were to give and minister light to the people. The number 1,000 means the glory of the Lord. And 22 is the number of light. Thus, the number 22,000 Levites was revealed that the people the light and to reveal to the people the light and the glory of the Father. And what are we called? A royal what? Priesthood. Priesthood. So we are light to reveal the glory of God to the people in them. The word light is found 264 times in the Bible, which divided by 12. I know this is real boring to a lot of people. It's the number of administration. 12 is the number of administration. We have the number of light. In other words, we are to minister light as the light of the world to the conscious awareness of all people. That's our calling. And I thought about this. 
And I thought, I shouldn't have to do this to any adult. This is what we should be doing as a priesthood to our children. When they were born, we were to be the minister of light to those children. To their conscious awareness, we were to guard our children. And I say this to many of you that have little children, that have babies and are planning. Your number one mandate is to reveal to that child who they are. And tell them who their light is and who their source is. And as I did with my great my grandkids, I whispered in several of their ears when they were born and said, I know who you are and I know where you came from. And I believe that. So in the Gospel of John, the word light is used 22 times. Now, I know it'll show verses that are 24, but they duplicate some of the verses. But it's used 22 times. And so I say light is important. We are the light of the world. God is light, God is essence, God is our source, and we need to let our light shine. And it's not a little light, it's a really big light. This giant light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? And I'm going to let it shine from within to without, to where it changes my world and the world around me. Amen? It's all about light. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this. God bless you. Thank you.